Hi, I'm Brittany Hoffman. And I'm Madeline Phipps. Welcome to Shifting Ears. This is the Valley Metro internal podcast talking all things transit, transportation, and everything you need to know about the agency behind the scenes and some upfront stuff you may not know about. Hey, Maddie. Hey, Brittany. Do you know it's already like a million degrees outside? I mean, it's not a million. I think it was 73 when my alarm went off this morning at like 5.30. Still hotter than I want it to be at 5.30, though. (laughs) Yeah, because by the midday, we're already reaching triple digits. Now, this is nothing new in the Valley. We're used to this. But as we know, traveling while it's hot is not fun. But we're here to talk today to people about how we keep transit cool. Yes, I would say like after safety, this might be one of the most crucial aspects to running a transit system in the Valley of the Sun. I mean, our guests today kind of reminded us that we cannot go out for service with our vehicles unless the air conditioning is working in good shape and efficiently cooling down our vehicles. Air conditioning in the Valley is not a privilege, it's a necessity, as some people like to say. So we like to keep our trains and our buses cool for all of our passengers. So let's hear from our experts how we do that. I'm Joey Templeton, I'm the bus operations manager here at Valley Metro, and I have worked officially for the agency since 2018, but prior to that I contracted with the agency starting in 2012. So can you give us a typical day for you, Joey? What does that look like? Oh, typical day. That starts at about 3 a.m. About 3 a.m. is when buses start rolling out. And officially, even if I'm not out of bed, that's when the day ticker starts. Managing pullout, getting those buses out there to the people. That sets your whole stage for the day. And from there, we just go out and make sure that we're providing the best possible service we can for the ridership in any way that the bus ops team can. So how long does it take to cool down a bus in the summer before it goes into service? In the summertime, we go out about two hours before service and fire up all of our buses just to make sure that they get down to 72 degrees on the interior. Prior to installing the canopies in the Mesa yard, it could take a lot longer, especially for afternoon pullout. That's when we really need to get those buses cooled down. A lot of them have been sitting, heat soaking in the sun all day, so it can take up to two hours to get it comfortable. Joey, that's a big task to go out and start a bunch of vehicles before they go out to service. So when I jump in my car, I know I can just hop in and within 10, 15 minutes that air conditioning's going. So can you give us an example or explain how a car air conditioner is a little bit different than a bus air conditioner? Your car air conditioner, your condenser, which basically takes the air and pushes it back and creates the coolness through the use of Freon, is at the front of your vehicle. So while you're moving forward, there's an airflow going through that and the vents are right there. Very short distance for that cool air to travel once that airflow starts. On our buses, that air has to travel 40 feet or 60 to the rear of the bus to be pushed through that condenser and then back up to the front of the bus and pushed back out to cool the passengers. So a much longer process, and this is why it takes a lot longer to cool a bus. Right. So does that also mean that if you do ride the bus in the summer, you should sit in the back because it's cooler in the back? 
No, because actually since 2017, we added a second condenser. So there's actually on all our newer buses, there's, I guess you would say two AC systems. So one for the front and one for the back to ensure that the cool air is dispersed evenly throughout the bus. Wow. So I'm guessing that's not something that like, say, transit agencies in Alaska needed to do to outfit their buses. A lot of agencies still don't run air conditioning, depending on the climate. San Diego actually only started several years ago. That's a different story, but they purchased a couple buses with AC, and once the ridership got in them, they decided that all of them needed to be AC. So one of the things we do is we actually put a secondary condenser on all of our vehicles. We were the first agency to do that, and that increases the cooling capacity of the AC unit. So it lets us cool a higher volume of air more frequently and more rapidly. Well, I guess that's definitely crucial for us to be able to continue providing service, not only for the riders, but obviously the operator too, since that's their work environment all day long. So do buses ever go out for service with the AC units not working? Or is this something like a mechanical check? The bus can't be put into service unless the air conditioning is working. You are correct. Valley Metro will not operate a vehicle with a malfunctioning AC unit. So the contractors are required to bring that bus in immediately and not run it. AC is not a luxury in Arizona. It's a necessity. So that is on our list of absolute no-nos. How do operators deal with passengers in the summertime that think the windows being open is a more effective AC system? (laughs) Well, that is a, a, a constant battle, and the drivers will politely request they close the windows, but again, they're 40 feet away in, in some cases. So we do kindly encourage the passengers to keep the windows closed to preserve the temperature inside the bus. I mean, as it is, you know, the doors are opening every block, which just sucking that hot air in, sucking that cool air out. Another thing we do to help keep the passengers cool is our window glass. So not only are our windows tinted, as everyone knows, we actually use a special glass with XIR technology. And what that is, it's a special two-piece laminated glass with a protective layer sandwiched between those two levels. And that blocks out 99% of all UV light. And we've actually done tests on those windows compared to conventional windows. And if we sit a bus out in the sun, heat soak it for four hours, I did this in July myself, and our bus is just sitting there with that XIR window, we're 12 degrees cooler than a traditional bus with the traditional windows. So that also helps. It is specialty glass that does not come cheap, but it really does make a difference on the internal temperature of the bus. So between the cooling glass and the additional condenser, we've taken big steps to make sure that our riders are more comfortable and cool while traveling, right? Absolutely. I mean, comfort is imperative, especially here in the Valley. You've been standing out at the bus stop, getting hot. 20 people get on the bus that have all been sitting out in the sun. They're all at a you know temperature of 110 degrees. So we got to get that bus cooled down as quickly as possible. Another thing we did in the last several years to increase that coolness is we actually increased the speeds of the blower motors in our buses so you have more air velocity passing over you to also enhance that cooling. It also pushes it back towards the bus where the evaporator is to circulate that air quicker. I wonder if I could do that in my car. 
<laughs> Maybe not. So obviously there's a pretty big team of mechanics who work on our fleet at our different facilities. Are there some mechanics who are specialists in fixing the air conditioning units or do they kind of know how to fix everything on a bus? So we have air conditioning mechanics specialists, master mechanics, and that's all they do is work on air conditioning units. And actually, starting in December, we start our summer make-ready program where that air conditioning technician will actually bring in every single bus in the fleet and completely go through the AC system to make sure there's no leaks, it's functioning properly, it's 100% charged, and it's cooling to the best of its ability. At home, they tell you to check your air conditioning unit just a couple months before the summer hits. You're saying this is essentially between a five and six month process to get through our entire fleet? Yeah. Well, we're looking at 360 buses. So it is a process to get through all of them, check all those systems. And it's actually a four month process because we want them done, you know, in April at the latest. As soon as it's hitting 80 degrees, we want to be able to say for certain that that AC is going to function. That's amazing. Joey, are there any other ways that our mechanics or future bus purchases are going to help cool passengers and keep our transit cool? We have been researching electronic AC systems. So a traditional AC system works on a pulley system and runs off of the engine, which means the more RPMs or the faster the engine's spinning, the better the AC works. That's what we have now. What happens now, bus pulls up to a stop and the engine is at its lowest state, and that's when the doors open up, when it's having the least amount of cooling possible. With an electronic AC system, it can run at that 100% regardless of the RPMs of the bus. So that is definitely a technology that we've been researching heavily and are looking to move forward to no matter what the propulsion system is in our buses in the future. It's for twofold. You keep the passengers cooler more efficiently and it also reduces wear and tear on the engine of the bus and increases fuel mileage. So it's a win-win. We have so much bus service out on the road. It's amazing how we keep all of these engines running, these air conditioning units cool so that people can hop on. But that's not our only transportation mode that we have here. It's not? No way, Jose. Well, you're right, Brittany. And next, we're going to kick it over to a special guest who can tell us all about how we keep those LRVs cool and ready for service. My name is Timothy Valenzuela. I work for Valley Metro Light Rail. I am a maintenance supervisor over the three different vehicles that we maintain and operate right now. That would be a Kinky Sherio light rail vehicle, our original, and then the Siemens car, which is a newly purchased, and also Brookville, which is our new streetcar running in Tempe. So you're very busy with three types of trains to keep running. Tell us what a typical day like is for you. Oh, do we have enough time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On any day given, we try to run as many vehicles serviceable as possible. And so we put them out on the alignment. During the day, due to fatigue or wear, we have issues with the LRVs and they're brought back to the yard for maintenance. If we're lucky, they'll all be out there all day long, good and running. When they come back in the evening, we do a daily inspection, safety inspection. We also clean them and disinfect them. We also check for any defects and do safety checks and make sure that no light bulbs have burned out, no headlights, no audio problems or issues. If during the day an operator found 
found a issue that needs to be addressed, he'll write it down on an operator defect report to which we address as well. And then once the vehicle is all cleaned and inspected and ready to go and deemed serviceable, we'll run it through the car wash, put it in the yard, and start all over. And the cycle repeats itself. <laughs> it does. I have a job. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about any extra steps that the maintenance staff has to take to prepare the trains for the summer heat, specifically looking at the air conditioning units. Okay. Each vehicle that we have in our fleet, with the exception of Brookville, they have two units, one on the A end of the car and one on the B end of the car. And that's true for Kinkasherio and for Siemens. These units weigh from 1,700 to 1,800 pounds. They are more than efficient to cool down our LRVs and keep them while we're in service. The held temperature is 73 degrees. But just like everyone knows in Arizona, if you open the door, the cool air goes out just like water. So as we stop at platforms and the doors are open, if we have heavy crowds or such, the car will evacuate all the cool air and then it gets to start all over. The Brookville cars are equipped with four units. So it is as well will hold 73 degrees as its temperature and the same thing with that. But it only has four doors. All the other LRVs have eight doors. They are basically every night they'll come in. If there's any mention of a hot car, we are on it. So there will be no hot cars to the best of our abilities to keep it that way and such. Our summers are very trying for these vehicles to keep cool. But in general, we're doing good. We have a back shop. So if at any time a car comes in with a hot and there's something internal that cannot be fixed in that evening, we will remove that unit, put another unit on it. The car will run back in service and then we'll get a more detailed repair going on here. But it is a very high priority. So clean and disinfected and cool. <laughs> so you said you replaced the air conditioning unit. So do we just have yes. some on hand ready to go in case there is an issue? In a perfect world, we do. The units that are in the back are usually something more detailed and heavier maintenance is required, such as an air compressor being changed in it or a leak that was found for the refrigerant. They're all run on the same refrigerant. It's a 407C refrigerant. And if it's a leak, we have to take it off, which involves soldering and replacing piping and tubing, to which we have many trained qualified technicians that are doing that. Once we do that, we always also have a setup in the shop to where we can test the unit. So before it even gets back on the car, we've tested it. And then once we put it on the car, we roll it outside and let it run out there for a while, make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to. I will add to that, though, with our new advertisement wraps, full wrap cars are way cooler than the cars that have no wraps. <laughs> so that was kind of something that we found on the side, but it's neat. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. I guess it would act as like a tinting, right? Yeah. It does very much so because if you see the wrap from outside, you're like, oh, man, they blocked off all the windows and stuff, but they got the micro uh, holes mm -hmm. in them and stuff but I on a daily basis I'll go out to a car and whatever be in the yard if a technician's out there you just notice the difference it's, it's like shade yeah, constant yeah. Shade. wow well so. so you mentioned a number a, a little bit, bit ago that those air conditioning units weigh like 1700 or 1800 pounds so yes. how does that compare to the air conditioning unit that's on a house 
Oh, it's way more bigger. The units that we're using will be more considered industrial and used for maintenance buildings. So it is a prerequisite required for the vehicle when it was ordered. That was a big concern. I was lucky enough to be here in the beginning when we did testing, and I asked how did they test them. And so when they were tested on a bench, they used heat lamps, and they tested them on 24-hour basis, just kept running and running. And I explained to them, I said, I was born and raised here, and it's 100 degrees at nighttime when it's dark. So I said, did you simulate that? <laughs> so they've held up well. They are oversized, so they are more than equipped to provide cooling in that car as required and requested. Keep the operator cool. As you notice on the Kinky Share, we have quite a bunch of uh, lot windows and as well Siemens. Apparently transportation loves windows. So <laughs> it's like a fishbowl, so to speak. So we have a lot of shades. We have manual shades like in a car when you can pull them down when the vehicle's not in use. The car will constantly, it's in a cooling mode. When it is parked and not being used for revenue service, it will go into what is called a layover mode. And layover mode will not sustain 73 degrees, but it will never let it get over 100 degrees and won't let it go below 50 degrees. So it is also equipped with a heating system, which I think we very rarely use here, but <laughs> just in case and we you change our filters. It. Yeah. On a monthly inspection, the first thing we do is look at the air filters. So those are constantly changed as well. We get dusty out here in the desert. We try to keep it as efficient as possible so that provide cool air. Tim, you brought up a good point. We think about the heat and how important it is to cool the train but there's all these components to it being maintained, one being the air filter. And we know we have monsoons out here and all that dust picks yeah. up. So yes. air filters, what else gets maintained in that 30-day check? The air system, that's a common troubleshooting point, especially with the dust storms that we have. Sometimes we get reports, not so much that the car is hot, but it doesn't feel like it's blowing cold air. That's what they'll tell us. Or they tell us that we're low on refrigerant. So the first thing we do is go look at air filters. And I'm sure you've heard that a million times at your house. Changing those filters is sometimes a simple task and you change them out, but it does make your air conditioning system run most efficient. So on your team of all your maintenance staff, do most of the employees there know how to fix like every inch of the vehicle? Or do you have people who specialize in like fixing the air conditioning unit, people who specialize in the engine, people who specialize in, you know, all the different systems on board. The way our system is set up here, we have pretty much three tiers. And what it is, is you start out as a LRV inspector and they're trained on all facets of the LRV operations because they inspect them either on a daily inspection, a monthly inspection, which is every 30 days, a quarterly, which happens every 90 days, a 180-day inspection, or the annual, which is done every year. And in each of those inspections, there are more tasks that are added to the inspection to which the inspector gets trained on. So when you start out as a daily inspector, you can advance up to an annual inspection which would make you totally covered as far as inspection. Inspection's job is to functionally test, operate, inspect, look, and report any defects. The next tier of that would be a mechanic. We have LRV mechanics and they repair the LRV. And now they'll do all types of mechanical work as such as replacing trucks, replacing HVAC units, replacing couplers, replacing bumpers, repairing doors that are not operating correctly, replacing any interior items that have been broken or loose or dislodged. And we take care of that. The top tier is called an electrical mechanical. 
this employee will take care of those items as well as they will be involved with the software that's involved with our computer systems that we have installed on our LRVs. Right now, Kinkasherio is going through a modification to all the fleet. We're going to be upgrading it to a brand new communication system. And that involves all your video, all your signage. Siemens is already equipped with it because it's our newest car. So we're also learning that car and Brookville as well has its own communication system on it, which we're being trained on as we speak and OJ teen right now. So there's three tiers that everything goes through. All of this is happening and you guys are doing an amazing job. Because I don't think people would know that all these inspections, all these checks, anytime there is a blip that happens, things are quickly rectified by both operations and your team. So props to all of you and maintenance inspectors, all three tiers, supervisors for really providing service, elite service, I would say, especially during the pandemic when most places have had to cut service. We've correct, been able to correct. keep ours out on the alignment. So congratulations yeah. to all of you guys. Thank you. They will greatly appreciate that. Thank you. You already mentioned a little bit, but can you mention yeah. how the air conditioning is different on Brookville versus the current light rail trains? So Brookville physically is a shorter car. Also, it will not run in sets of doubles or triples. It will be a single vehicle running. The purchase, I believe, is six and right now we have five of them. Brookville is equipped with four HVAC units. And what that means is it has one on the A and one on the B, and there's two that are on the C car. And that car is quite cool. <laughs> they can digitally change it on the TOD and the cab operators thing. I don't believe that's going to be an operational deal. We'll find a fixed set rate. But right now, until they set that up, it is 68 degrees in there. <laughs> Whoa. Sometimes I don't want to go home, but <laughs> that car is quite efficient. It's brand new as well, but we haven't had too many problems with running with it. But they will set it at 73 degrees to keep the fleet standardized. It's a unique car. The cab area is very roomy, very, very roomy. It has a lot of room on it. It's Tempe's right now. I heard Mesa is interested, so that will be really cool. It is different for us, a little bit challenging because of the alignment, the way that it's set up down in Tempe. It actually runs in traffic with vehicles, and at certain points it does not, so it goes to its own track. It's a smaller car. It still has quite a few communication systems on it and such that we're learning as we speak, so... But that's its own unit that will not run with ours. Now, we can physically bring it. We can tow it back to the yard and hook it up and such, but they're not going to be interfaced with our LRV fleet. It's a much smaller car, and that operates on with a catenary or without. It has battery power. So that's what's unique about it. So there's certain portions in the Tempe alignment where there is no overhead wire, and it will use battery power only. So speaking of that battery power section, we heard that keeping that battery cool when it's traveling down mill is also kind of one of the unique technical things with the Brookville car. So will you talk a little bit about that? They have a installed a chiller system. So each of the battery sets that are on there have their own cooling system that's separate from the HVAC system. And the purpose is to keep the batteries cool because, yeah, Arizona... You, as well as a car battery, we will tear up some batteries here. <laughs> 
that was a requirement that they had put in there, which is very good thinking forward to keep the battery system chilled. The main part of batteries getting warm is when they are being charged. So as we use them and discharge them, when we reestablish power with the panograph to the OCS, that is when the heat starts to go because the electricity going through the batteries to charge them up, it generates heat. And that's where you have the major portion of it. But again, 117, 120 here. Yeah, it doesn't help the situation as well. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I just thought about the battery being in direct sunlight, let alone, oh, it's getting extra heat. From the yeah. actual wires. Yeah, from what the a actually point to think the, about. the functionality of it as well, as, as well as ours. We've had some issues with ours, but not as bad. As a matter of fact, I believe we're reaching the midlife for the Kinky Stereo LRBs, and we just received tons of batteries. So I guess we're going to be changing out battery sets and getting some new batteries in them. Because like everything, nothing lasts forever. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel like just listening to all that made the temperature go down a few degrees in my office. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Definitely cooling off, thinking about all of our riders staying cool. And it's amazing to think how much effort goes into all the mechanics and the workings of these vehicles to make sure that we're keeping people comfortable while riding during the summer heat. And speaking of effort, are you ready to put in a little effort? To answer a question to win a prize? Prizes? Your favorite part of the day. Yes. All right. Brittany, what's today's question? The question for this episode is, what temperature do the buses get cool to before they head into service? All right. If you know the answer, send an email to podcast at valleymetro.org. And if you're the first one to answer correctly, you'll win a gift card. Prizes, prizes, prizes. We love giving out prizes here. And of course, if you have ideas for podcast episodes that you want to hear, email us at podcast at valleymetro.org. I think that's all for today. For Valley Metro, I'm Madeline. I'm Brittany. Thanks for riding with us. We'll meet you at the next stop. Shifting Ears is produced by Peter Corkery and Alex Sotsos. Taylor Dunn is the executive producer. I'm Madeline Phipps with Brittany Hoffman. Thanks for listening.